This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, everyone. My name is Erin Trelore, and I am the host of Raw Beauty Talks. We're taking you behind the highlight reel of the world's biggest influencers and wellness gurus to get a raw glimpse of what beauty, health, and wellness look like in today's world so that you can feel your absolute best in your body and in your life. Today on the show, we are interviewing our very first guy, and he is not just any guy. He is a poet whose words have caught the attention and the hearts of millions of readers, celebrities, and supermodels. Atticus was named the world's most tattooable poet by Galore Magazine, meaning women and probably some men too actually tattoo his words onto their body. But what is possibly one of the most fascinating things about him is his decision to remain anonymous. In a world that celebrates fame, this choice to wear a mask for all public appearances totally defies the norm. We're sitting down with Atticus today to talk about what love, body image, and insecurities look like from a male perspective. This is going to be a juicy episode, so get comfortable and let's dive in. Thank you so much for being here today, Atticus. Thank you very much for having me. I didn't realize I was the first guy. I'm humbled. You are the very first guy. We've been having this conversation for over four years, and I've always wanted to bring a man into the conversation because I feel like it is such an important piece of the puzzle. And and so I'm honored to have you here to be that individual. Oh, well, thank you. So yeah, reading through your work, it's really clear to see that you're a guy who is definitely, or it seems, more in touch with your vulnerable or some would say feminine side. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey to becoming Atticus and what shaped you into this man that you are today? Mm. Yeah, Atticus came around rather serendipitously, I would say. I was in a job I didn't really love, and I was in in an industry I probably loved less. And I took a fateful trip to France where I um, met an actor. His name was Michael Madsen. If you don't know who that is, he's the bad guy in Kill Bill and Reservoir Dogs and I think a a Justin Bieber music video. Mm. Yeah. And I spent a lot of time talking with him and and we had a lot of profound conversations and I found him to be one of the most profound people I'd ever met. And he said something that was really profound with me. You know, I was telling him about my situation. He's like, you know, Atticus, what what did you want to do when you were younger? And uh, I said, I wanted to write and I wanted to live on a vineyard. And he said, then that's what you should be doing. And it was a few days after that that I was in, I was in Paris and I, and I saw something that I thought was beautiful and I, I started writing about it and I posted it. And that's how it's, Atticus came about. <laughs> and the rest, as they say, is history. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. I think that is such a poignant point that you just made because so often we lose sight of what our childhood hopes and dreams are and were in today's world when there's so many people pushing and pulling us to move into certain directions and into certain boxes. So I love that he brought you right back to what was it that spoke to you when you were a little boy? Yeah, I feel, I feel like as adults, we, we find ourselves chasing truths that we, we knew already when we were younger. And so I'm curious to know 
what sort of made you decide to remain anonymous, especially in this world of social media where so many people would die to have a million followers and to be seen and celebrated? What what made you turn away from that? It's a good question. I mean, I, originally, I, I believe I'm honest. It was because I was shy and the mask was you know, sort of a reminder to help me write what I feel and not what I think I should feel. But it's evolved uh, as I've gone along. And Actually, a woman came up to me recently after one of my shows where I wear a mask and she came over and whispered in my ear and said, you know, in a world of obsessed with fame, it's nice to see someone sending love from the shadows. And I thought that was a beautiful, beautiful way to put it. I absolutely love that. Do you feel like wearing the mask allows you to write differently. I was just on social media today and I saw somebody who's in that Instagram influencer world and she was um, posting about the fact that she was taking a break. She said, I got into this because I love to make people laugh and I feel like I've lost myself a little bit. So I'm signing off of Instagram for a minute to rediscover who that is. Do you feel like the mask allows you to stay true to your art at all? Yeah, I think it. I think it helps me, and and you know, it's an in, imperfect science for sure. But I, the mask, like I said, it it helps me to. I'm not doing it for anyone, and it you know, and it doesn't for the most part interfere with the rest of it. You know, Atticus has always been a part of me, but not all of me, and so it allows me to, to compartmentalize in that sense, and also just like remind me to be vulnerable, to keep it about the words and not who I am, because it doesn't really matter who I am, and I've always liked that, and. And that's the other part. It's, I think people and you know followers appreciate making the person behind the mask whoever they need it to be. And I've always liked that as well. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. It's like reading a book and you have this image of who the characters are. And yeah. somebody else can be reading the same book and their image of how those characters are is completely <laughs> different. It's, it's the magical part of words. Yeah. When I watched Harry Potter for the first time, none of the characters looked like how I'd imagined Harry Potter, but uh, I've grown right? to love them. <laughs> and, I, and I feel like that's so true. So many people are like diehard. You have to read the book first before you see the movie because... Yeah. Or the movie's not, doesn't live up to what their expectation of the book was. Anyways, I, that's super interesting. I think there's a lot of, of truth to that. Yeah, you've done a really incredible job of that. I feel like there's rumors out there that maybe you were famous in the past and didn't want to tie this poetry to that individual. Have you been famous? Have you experienced fame in the past? Yeah, well, I've been around fame a lot of my life. And, you know, I've seen the kind of good and bad it can bring. But yeah, and you know, from my perspective, it's a... It's a double-edged sword, but it can be very, very dangerous. And, you know, the thing about fame is that it so often doesn't deliver the, the meaning that, we, that we're looking for and are hoping for. And people go after fame for the wrong reasons. From an outside perspective, it seems so glossy and the clothes and the attention. <laughs> I mean, it's so intriguing. And so what side, when you say double-edged sword, what parts of it do you think aren't always disclosed? Well, you know what I'll say? Bill Murray had a really good quote and he said, if you want to become famous, become rich first and see if you still want to become famous. And, you know, mm. I think not that money solves all your problems, but I think the point that he was trying to make is that is that people get excited about that notoriety and, and, you know, being recognized and the kind of power that brings in terms of whatever it is, free swag or influence. But it does come with 
the other side and and I think for me it's the it's the disconnection you can have a million people telling you they love you on Instagram but it's not the same as having like one person in real life that truly loves you you know mm. and that's what people I don't in my opinion anyways just don't don't understand so what has your experience been having a million followers but individuals who don't know you do you still get the same satisfaction from your work, even though, I mean, many people are calling you an Instagram poet, or do you find that you crave that deeper connection with people? And, and how does the mask impact your ability to truly connect with your fans? Yeah, I was worried about that. You know, I, I, I love the human connection. I've always loved the human connection. And so when I started writing, I was, I struggled a long time with like, how do I connect with my audience above and beyond these conversations that I'm having online? And I decided that I was going to go on tour wearing the mask and so I could meet people. And that was really, really a beautiful thing because I could have conversations. I could look them in the eyes, but I could still keep that anonymity. And it was incredible meeting the people that have connected to my work and, and people who've gotten tattoos. And it was much more meaningful than the online part of it. So it's been really, really fun to do that. And what would you say to girls who are listening or women who are listening who are struggling to find self-acceptance or that true connection that you just spoke about through their followers on social media and through the number of likes that they have on social media? I would just say, be very, very clear on what you, what you want and don't be misguided into searching for fame for the wrong reasons, because ultimately it's so often, I've seen it just so many times. It's like, you know, some, I, I'm, I'm friends with a lot of influencers and they're just not finding what they need from the influence, if that makes sense. And it doesn't mean you can't be an influencer and be happy. It's just if you're looking to be happy by being an influencer, you're searching in the wrong way. I asked somebody, I had a conversation with a, a young woman recently, and I said, would you rather be famous or would you rather be happy? And she said, I would rather be famous because I know that if I was famous, I could be happy. And I just feel like that's completely flawed logic. But it's sold to us from so many different places, from magazines and social media and advertising. And from the time we're really, really young, we are sold this idea that fame equals happiness, money equals happiness, beauty equals happiness. And it's, it's imprinted in our mind. So I, I'm not surprised that, that she said that, but it's so helpful to hear from your perspective. Fame, I feel like it can bring a lot of good, but that at the same time, if you're looking for happiness there, if you're looking for confidence there, that's not the spot, that it's a bit of a dead end in that light. Yeah. Sure. So you write a lot about love in your poetry. <laughs> and it always takes me back. I remember being in my 20s and really struggling with body image. And so much of that was tied to what I thought men wanted in a woman. I'm somebody who's always loved love. I've had this idea of big love in my life. And I felt that in order to find that, I needed to look a certain way. And, and maybe it wasn't as concrete as that. It was a bit subconscious, but I stressed about the cellulite, the weight on the scale, all of these things. I'm curious to know from a man who writes so much about love and seems so connected to that conversation, what are men 
truly attracted to? What is it that you're looking for? That's a loaded question. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to ask it though. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Put me on the spot for all men. (laughs) Um, And I would say that, you know, you're certainly not alone in, in feeling that. And just from the messages I get online, you know, it's a huge conversation. And there's a lot of people that feel the same way. It's different, but it certainly goes both ways of insecurities with men and insecurities with women. I think they, they look sometimes similar and sometimes different, but, and I think it has, you know, everything exactly like you said to do with where we are with the digital age and social media creating these unrealistic expectations and everyone's posting their highlight reel and the best picture of their best day pinnacle in many respects of who they are as a human. And no one can live up to that and not even the supermodels posting these pictures. And so you ask, what are people looking for? I think, unfortunately, both men and women are becoming confused in what they're looking for. And like what we are truly looking for, and I've said it before, is human connection and meaning. And instead, we think we're looking for something else. And, you know, the supermodel or whatever in the picture and it's just not what we're looking for and and we're losing touch with what it means to be human and to find that human connection. Yeah, absolutely. It absolutely does. I think there's a running theme here of the fact that we ultimately are all looking for connection, whether that's through fame or the supermodel or the woman, but we've lost touch with how to actually find connection. We're looking at it through social media. We're looking at it through what this world of media has defined as beautiful. And we're in this culture right now where porn is so accessible to, I mean, young boys are seeing porn usually by the time they are four years old is what the stats are saying. Oh my God, I didn't know that. It's popping up on computers and it's shaping what they think is the norm for women to look like, what sex is supposed to be. And this is also happening, you know, for girls as well. And you have social media and, and media. I mean, there's no way that it's not impacting what men are finding sexy or attractive or expecting in a woman. I'm curious to know, when you really think about your past relationships that you've been in, what it was that sort of innately connected you or attracted you to that person? Was it more than just their appearance? Or is that the first thing that we're just naturally attracted to somebody? Well, I mean, I think it definitely a spectrum. There's all sorts of components that go into finding someone, like being very attracted to someone. I mean, I'm someone who's very, very attracted to humor. And so humor for me can can trump almost anything and like it's usually it's usually just sarcasm i'll find somebody who's very sarcastic very attractive very quickly so it depends it has always been for me like a spectrum and i think you know physical attraction is a part of that but yeah humor is is my achilles heel for sure we had a question from one of our listeners who said asks do guys notice the cellulite or the tummy roll as much as we do no or or i don't think they care about it I remember with my ex-girlfriend, whenever we snuggled, I'd put my hand on her stomach and she hated that. But I loved it because she thought that like, you know, when she was lying there, she'd feel fat. And I didn't think of it like that at all. I was just like, I loved my hand on her stomach. And so I think I know for a fact that guys aren't, I'm sure it's worse. You know, we are our own worst enemies. And I think guys do it the same way. It's like, you know, we're, we're all worried about all of these things. And in in reality, many of our, our partners are not worried about those things. So I think I would say less than you think. 
Yeah. You have a beautiful quote that says, I'm a mind full of doubts and I doubt that will change. I feel like women are so often open about their doubts and insecurities saying like, don't touch my stomach right now, or, you know, covering our bottoms with the towel when we get out of the pool, whatever it is. But I feel like that's a lot harder for men to express, or perhaps it's like you might think something and then you just, you don't fixate on it as much as we do. Do you think there's truth to that? Or are there things that you have doubts and insecurities about? And what are they? Yeah, I think men have just as many doubts as women. And I think, you know, they probably differ, maybe. But the, the doubts are the same and the stresses are the same and, and depression and anxiety for different reasons. I think it, it does change. I know a lot of guys I know get really anxious about who they are in the world and, and being successful and being able to provide and, and, you know, that kind of thing really, really stresses them out in a big way. I think, as, as you said, guys deal with it often differently and they kind of in, some, many times internalize it, which I believe is really, really dangerous. And I, I don't think that men have been given many of the tools and certainly not the permission to talk about it so much. And I think that puts society at a real disadvantage because I think it comes out in the wrong way. And I think that transparency and dialogue with that, even between partners, men and women, whoever, it would really pay for us just to be way more open with this stuff, in my opinion. I totally, totally agree. You mentioned anxiety, depression. Are these things that you've ever dealt with? Speaking of being vulnerable and open yeah. as a man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm very open to discussing it. And then like depression, anxiety have been a huge part of my life ups and downs throughout my entire life and and same with many of the people that I'm close to in one, one respect or another and you know I will say that a ton of my followers as well people who who message me suffer with it as well you know it's just a reality of life and what I've learned in my in my later years are just the kind of tools and getting to know myself and how to deal with it and the signs of you know when it's close and just like the tools with how to deal with it better and you kind of just become more aware of it and get much better at dealing with it. But it, you know, this kind of thing is always there. I always ask our guests if this is something that they've struggled with, what are their tools for helping them through it? Because it is such an individual journey. Yeah, I could write a big long list, but some of them are, are just the awareness of, of realizing that my grandfather used to say this too shall pass, but like realizing that that life is these ups and downs and just being like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm in one of these downs. I can't wait for it to leave and go, go back up and just you've ridden the roller coaster now enough to know that, okay, we're going to get out of it. And then big one is, is the health side of things like eating right, exercising and and also just like your your levels. I, I took a blood test recently. The NASA a blood scientist and he, he was an expert for sports teams. And the amount of information I got on my makeup was absolutely incredible. And it's really changed my life. And it's like, I feel that everybody in the in the world should be taking tests like this and being like hey by the way you're you're a little low in b12 and you don't have the capacity to make dopamine mm, yeah you know which is what they told me and I, you know i've made changes in my diets and slight supplements and and i'm so much happier but you know you can do you can meditate for the rest of your life and and if you're not creating enough b12 you, you might not have the capacity to be happy and my my point is there's, we just need to 
improve the dialogue and access to all of these tools because people are suffering so much and they don't need to be. It's fascinating how complicated our bodies are. And I really think we've only begun to understand the relationship of supplements and vitamins and micronutrients and our gut health in relation to the health of our mind. And so it's always encouraging when science starts to back up a lot of the things that sort of Eastern practitioners have been stating and knowing for a long time. I also love that you just pointed out you can meditate for for hours every day. And if your biology isn't supported correctly, that that tool isn't going to activate properly. And I feel like, especially in the world of self-care and alternative health, meditation is talked about so much and I do it almost daily. And I, I, I really believe in it, but I do also think that it can be very frustrating for people <laughs> if they're not looking at themselves holistically. Yeah, that's my point. It's like, you know, I meditate and it's been a, such a lifesaver for me as well and, and for so many people, but it's like a tool in, you know, it's one thing in your whole kind of holistic lifestyle. You got to do it all, really. At least I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm right there with you. You're not alone on that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure a lot of our listeners are on the same page as well. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, Country anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B A B B E L dot com slash talks. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. Friends. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you a over. And now a message from this episode's sponsor. 
As a health coach, I consider sleep to be as important, if not more important, than eating well and moving our bodies. Part of getting a good sleep is having a cozy, comfortable bed. This episode is brought to you by White Terry, a high-end, sustainable, and organic bedding company designed to help you get the best sleep possible. Their 400 thread count organic cotton sheets have a radiant sheen that won't pill and grow softer with each wash, leaving you with a bed that always looks as inviting as it feels. Available in a variety of soft, neutral tones, these sheets will leave your bedroom looking like the sanctuary it should be. Nicole at White Terry is offering you 20% off with the code RAWBEAUTY20 when you visit www.whiteterry.com. You can also find them over on Instagram at WhiteTerryHome. And now let's get back to Atticus. So I want to reference another one of your poems. It says, boys learn too late that being the man is not the same as being a man. I would love to know in your perspective, what is the difference between being the man and being a man? You know, I think I wrote that in a lot of ways, some ways for for myself. I think young men and women go through a period when they're younger and they're where they're kind of kind of finding themselves and, you know, you can be selfish and unkind and not the person you want to be. And I, I know for myself, I spent a lot of time when I was younger trying to be the man um, and trying to be cool. And, you know, it was only later and re- more recently that I realized how wrong that was and how much more important it was to be a man and what that means. I'm still lear- learning, but, you know, it's taken me a whole whole life to become, you know, more of a person that I'm proud of. But I do think that it is a learning thing. And us as a society have got to be better. And I think it's been an incredible movement seen in this last couple of years about me too, about building these like boundaries that for some reason didn't exist until now. And it's just like insane looking back that there weren't um, boundaries and, and what these movements have been able to create are, are just like, we won't tolerate this anymore. And it's bit by bit, but we're going in the right direction for sure. Okay, I'm going to quote you once again <laughs> uh, because I absolutely love this one. It says, uh, a soulmate would be great, but at some point I'd settle for someone who gets back to text messages. <laughs> I love this because I'm happily married and I met my husband before technology and Tinder and Bumble were even a thing. Lucky you. I know. I Honestly, I'm like, thank God I would have been a disaster on those things. That would not have been Erin at her strong point. But I I have two younger <laughs> sisters and a lot of girlfriends who are, I guess, dating more and using technology to support that. And the stories that I hear about them being ghosted and, you know, there's this, I feel like yeah. this overall perception that now that men have so many options at their fingertips, I don't want to make a blanket statement for all men, but I don't think innately within them, men have the same desire to settle, especially younger in their life as women do. And so now that they have these phones with like thousands of women (laughs) and the best photos of these women at their fingertips, there's even sort of less of, less of a drive to fully connect with someone and to create that connection. So I'm curious to know, are you single right now or are you in a relationship? I'm in a relationship, but I certainly know what you're talking about. And 
can fully appreciate it in the weird and scary world that is online dating. And I truly believe that it goes both ways in the context of like ghosting and, and just not treating people with respect in that way. It's weird. It's like, you know, people will be like, I can't believe I got ghosted and then turn around and ghost someone. It's like everyone's doing it to each other. It's, it's, it's crazy. And then we collect like the matches or, or whatever on these dating apps, like girl guide badges or playing cards. Right. It's like we hoard them to make ourselves like feel better, but then we don't really try to create a, a real relationship out of it. Or we just have these superficial relationships that take more than they give. Um, someone said recently, and they're like, she was a relationship psychiatrist. And she said, if you're looking for a soulmate, stop snacking. And I thought that was really interesting. What she meant by that was like, you know, if you're truly looking for these meaningful relationships, stop snacking on these, like, you know, maybe it's a beautiful person that you don't think, you know, in your, in your heart and your gut, that it's not going to go anywhere, mm-hmm. but you just kind of play it out because it's entertaining. And it's like, you know, you go on a couple dates and you keep them along and you text them and, and whatever. And she's like, stop snacking and get that out of your head and, and just don't waste your time. Cause we do have a limited capacity, limited time to give and to spend talking to people. And I know, I mean, everyone does it, but like, or, you know, Many people do it, but we should stop snacking. <laughs> I love that. How did you meet your current girlfriend? I met her sailing. I brought her and some friends. We were all in a sailboat. We just started talking and, and ended up getting together. But it's been wonderful finding her because she's just in so many ways a normal person who doesn't. And it, this is rare to find, but she's just not that ghosting type of person. She just doesn't do that kind of thing. It was like insanely refreshing. So nice to hear that you didn't meet over Tinder. Not (laughs) that there's anything wrong with that whatsoever, but it kind of like just makes me feel hopeful that there can still be those connections that happen, not when you're expecting it, not when you're even trying. I don't know. There's something really romantic about that. Yeah. I think. Yeah, it is. I have a poem or quote. It's like, love waits for us patiently in that place where no one is looking Mm-hmm. And you hear that all the time. I love that. You know, one thing I will say, it, it was interesting jumping into this last relationship that I'm in because I came out of a, what I would consider a toxic relationship and I took some time for myself and, and I was just like, you know, what? I'm just going to make myself better. I'm not going to like chase girls or anything like that. I'm just going to you know, get closer with my family. I'm going to like work really hard at business. I'm going to just like get healthy and I'm like, I don't even have time for a girl right now. And I did that. And then of course, like, you know, straight away, I find that I get into a relationship, but it's like, (laughs) you know, it's, it is true. It's like when you stop looking, it's sometimes when you, when you find them. Mm -hmm. And when you started to really focus inward, that energy that you were creating attracted that right person for you. It, it creates a different vibe that attracts what it is that you truly are looking for and what you truly need in your life. And I hear that countless times from you know people that I'm coaching and it's like they start focusing inward and all the things in their life start to feel a lot easier. Everything from career to partnerships and friendships. It's, it's such an important message. It's- 
So true. My next question for you was, what is your message to girls who are struggling to feel confident in themselves, <laughs> especially those who are dating and trying to find love? And I feel like that you kind of just answered it. But if you have anything you want to add, please go for it. I wrote this the other night. Uh, how does it go? You are a queen, safe and unconquerable in the wild, wild kingdoms of yourself. And what I was trying to say by that is that you you are already enough and that who you are makes you powerful and safe. Uh, I kind of have always liked that sentiment and it's the kind of idea of self-love, of looking inward and being powerful within that. Well, you basically just summarized what Raw Beauty Talks is all about. So I feel like that's the perfect place to end <laughs> this conversation because you, you really couldn't have finished it off or put it more poetically than oh, that. We will make sure that we have a link to that in the show notes and a copy of it so that all of you can write it up somewhere, put it down on your own Instagram feed uh, to remind yourself of the queen that you are. <laughs> Atticus, I would love to know what is coming up next for you and where can our audience connect with mm -hmm. you? Well, I just launched a wine, which I'm very excited about. It's called Lost Poets Wine. It's a red wine intended to drink. It's been a great experience. Where can people get it? Is it only available online or is it in stores? You can get it online and then we're rolling into stores probably in the fall. Oh my God. <laughs> it's, I'll send you some. Uh, I love it. It's so good, but I'm biased. Thank you. I would. I will pour myself a bath and open your book and drink your wine. Yes, have, perfect. Have the best little evening ever. Amazing. You can get it online um, on my website, atticuspoetry.com or Instagram at atticuspoetry. It's a partnership with the wine subscription service, Wink, at W-I-N-C. And yeah, um, yeah, I'm coming out with uh, my third book, which I'm very excited about in in uh, September. And then I'm going on tour across America in May. Are you coming to Canada? Yeah, well, I'll be coming to Canada for my book tour in the fall, for sure. I love Canada. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Can't thank you enough. Thank you so much, Erin. That's it for this episode, but be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single show. Simply search for Raw Beauty Talks on iTunes and click subscribe. If you like this episode, take a screenshot and share it on social tagging at Raw Beauty Talks. We'll be regramming your posts every week. Last but not least, don't forget to visit our website at rawbeauty.co to get your free handout, which summarizes all the key notes and takeaways from this episode. As we wrap things up, remember... Your body is different than any other body out there. So as you listen to these episodes, it's important to keep tuning back into yourself to see what really resonates for you. Above all else, remember, you are worthy, you are beautiful, and you are not alone on this incredible journey called life. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. 
Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.